when it comes to 2000s R&B, there are a few albums that stand out as the blueprint for the sound surrounding that time. We have Brandy, Usher, Omarion, and more. But when it comes to mainstream success with authenticity to true R&B, you don't have to look any further than Alicia Keys' sophomore album, The Diary of Alicia Keys. The album arguably serves as the singer's magnum opus, with career-defining tracks like If I Ain't Got You and You Don't Know My Name, to R&B classics like Diary and When You Really Love Someone. This record is an R&B masterpiece. So sit back, relax, and open the pages of your diary as we dive into the Diary of Alicia Keys. Hey everybody, my name is Michael Kadosh and I'm here to welcome you all to Planet 2000s, a place where we celebrate pop music's most iconic moments from the most iconic decade in pop music history. Let's dive in. It is Sunday morning here in Toronto while I am recording this podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the Diary of Alicia Keys record. Now, Alicia's music is basically perfect Sunday morning music, so I figured now's the perfect time to be doing an Alicia episode. And this is my personal favorite Alicia record, so I'm excited to get into it with you guys. The Diary of Alicia Keys is the sophomore studio album by singer-songwriter and pianist Alicia and was released on December 1st, 2003 on J Records. A wide array of producers took part in the project, including Carey Brothers Jr., Kanye West, Timbaland, Dre, and Vidal, Kumasi, and Keys herself, amongst others. The album is described as a pure R&B album with hints of soul and neo-soul music. It's widely considered to be one of the greatest R&B albums of the 2000s, so naturally, I had no choice but to cover it on this podcast, you guys. (laughs) The album comes after the monster blockbuster success of her debut album, Songs in A Minor, which had debuted at the top of the Billboard 200 charts and went on to sell over 6.2 million copies, earning Key's five Grammy Awards. The pressure was on for Alicia to deliver another groundbreaking album, and boy, did she ever. Alicia began writing and recording for this album in late 2002, while she was still on tour promoting her first album. Majority of the album was recorded in New York City, with Alicia equipping her studio with vintage instruments in order to capture the 60s, 70s, blues feel that she imagined for the record. This is something that a lot of artists would do for their albums to capture that throwback feel, like Christina Aguilera later went on to do with her Back to Basics record. So you want to know about this album, huh? Well, if you want to know about it, that must mean that you have it in your hands right now. You probably popped it in the CD play already, or maybe you just wanted to pop in the DVD first. I don't know, but point is, none of that matters, you know, I'm just happy that you're rocking with me right now, and that we even have the opportunity to share this time right here, but this album, I mean, I love it so much, man, it's like, it's really a part of me, I mean, all my music is a part of me, but this is really a part of me, because I've just felt it coming ever since the last one, ever since I've been on the road, and ever since we've been touring, and going to different cities, and I've just felt it coming to me in different instances. This album is, for me, my heart and my soul. You know, it's my life. It's my true emotions. It's everything that I've ever gone through. It's what I feel so strongly that I can't hold it in, you know? It's like a a piece of me. It's like like a, a journal for me, you know? I love to write and I love to get things off my chest because I feel like that's one of the only ways I can really express myself. 
Alicia was experimenting, not just with her sound on the album, but also with her persona. She introduces her alter ego, Lelo, on the track So Simple on the album. Carrie Brothers, who was also Alicia's lover at the time, stated that Lolo is her alter ego. That was what we called her when she was in her hip-hop mode, so it's dope that they recorded her singing in one key and pitched her up to make it sound high-pitched. You know, even if I was talking about something that really hurt me, I still had fun because I was able to get it off of my chest, you know? It's like I experimented on this album. I tried new things. I tried things you might never have heard me do before. I tried new sounds, I tried new feels, you know, I would just be in a room in the dark alone, just play from my heart, or I would have all of these different kind of keyboards up and try these old school sounds mixed with some new school joints, I mean, I was, I just wanted to do what I felt, and I didn't want to hinder that in any way, you know, I didn't want to put myself under any restraint or restriction, I just wanted to try everything that I heard in my head, and to me, that's where the best things come from out of me, and that's what this album is, and I love it, man, this album is crazy. Finally, she completed the album in Europe when she was already promoting the first single and the album was ready for our consumption in the fall of 2003. And this was something Alicia was very proud about because she had experimented with so many different sounds and to actually have come to a final product is a great feeling, especially for any artist. The album was titled The Diary of Alicia Keys because the idea was for every single song on the record to act as a diary entry, therefore making the entire body of work itself a diary. Peter Edge, who served as executive producer of the project and is now CEO of RCA Records, stated that the songs were very much about her life and experience and the album was called The Diary because it was personal. The album cover is a portrait of Alicia that features half of her face and body covered by a piano, which is quite obviously her signature instrument and what many people know her best for. There were four singles released from this album, including You Don't Know My Name, If I Ain't Got You, Diary, and Karma. Each song is a staple in this decade of R&B music, making this album incredibly influential. So, without further ado, why don't we get into the singles, y'all? I'm very excited to tell you guys about this new company that I've been working with. In our COVID times, you know that small businesses are booming right now, and this small business is one that I can ride or die for. Jaden Collections Boutique. Jaden Collections Boutique has everything from fun accessories like jewelry, bracelets, and masks to keep yourselves protected from COVID, to personalized crewnecks and t-shirts and other different clothing items. Small business mama that is making it happen for herself. If you guys go on her Instagram, at Jaden Collections Boutique, you can take a look at all the fun things that she has to offer and also the link to her website. If you guys decide to purchase a little something, make sure to enter the code PLANET2000s in the checkout in order to get 20% off of your order. That is PLANET2000s to get 20% off of your order at Jaden Collections Boutique on Instagram. We love to help out a small business and we love to see them thrive at Jaden Collections Boutique. Back to the pod. You Don't Know My Name was the lead single from Alicia's sophomore album and was released on November 10th, 2003. The song was written by Alicia Keys, Kanye West, and Harold Lilly, and it was produced by Keys and West. It contains a sample from the 1975 song Let Me Prove My Love to You by The Main Ingredient, and the song was produced around the time that Kanye West was coming up as a rapper, and he was also getting producer credits in for many female artists like Brandy, Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, and of course Alicia. The song follows a young woman who describes a sort of love at first sight feeling with a guy, a guy that she met for the first time 
on a Thursday. The music video was directed by both Chris Robinson and Andrew Young, with rapper Mos Def starring as Alicia's love interest, who comes in on his lunch break and always orders the special with the hot chocolate. <laughs> Alicia plays a waitress, you know, the one with the braids. She meets him in a cafe, they fall in love, and they have their first kiss on a Thursday. It's all very poetic, and to this day, I always have this fantasy, you guys, that I will have my first date with the love of my life on a Thursday. <sighs> I'm still waiting. Hello? Can I speak to Michael? Oh, hey, how you doing? Uh... Feel kind of silly doing this or whatever, but um, this is the waitress from the coffee house on 39th and Lennox. Yeah, the one with the braids. <laughs> uh, I see you every Wednesday. I think you're coming on your lunch break, and you always order the special with the hot chocolate. And my manager be tripping, and he be saying we have to use water, but I always use some milk and sugar because I think you're kind of sweet. So anyway, you always have some fly blue suit on and your cufflinks are shining. So what do you do? A word? That's interesting. So look, man, I don't want to waste your time and I know girls don't usually do this. But I was wondering if maybe we could get together outside of the restaurant one day. Because, you know, I do look a lot different outside my work clothes. And <laughs> I mean, we can just go to the park over here. Hello? Hello? Dad, my cell phone ring. Hello? Hey, can you hear me now? Oh. <laughs> so what day did you say? Thursday? Yeah, Thursday's perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Alicia is the one who asks him out. That call is so iconic. It is 2000s R&B at its finest. The little interruption to actually speak. It's kind of reminiscent of the interludes that they used to have on records back in the day. And I think it's interesting how she says, I know girls don't usually do this. Why was that? What's wrong with that? I mean, I love girl boss energy and that is what Alicia Keys exemplifies. So yes, girl, you ask him out. The song did fairly well on the charts. It reached number one on the US R&B hip hop songs chart and number three on the Hot 100. It also reached number two in Belgium, number nine in the Netherlands, and number 19 in the UK. The song became Alicia's third top 10 single on the Billboard charts in the US, and it was number one on the R&B Hip Hop Songs chart for an amazing eight consecutive weeks. In terms of awards, Alicia won a Grammy Award for this song in the Best R&B Song category, and Blunder Magazine put the song at number 37 on their list of the 100 Best Songs of 2004. And yet, even with all of that success. You Don't Know My Name was not the biggest song off this record. No, 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 no. It was this little gem called If I Ain't Got You. What many people consider to be Alicia's signature song, If I Ain't Got You, is a heartfelt piano ballad. It was released as a single on February 23rd, 2004, as the second single from the album. The song was written and produced solely by Alicia. The lyrics were inspired by the death of R&B princess Aliyah in August 2001, the 9-11 terrorist attacks, and all the negative things that were happening in the world around that time, and Alicia's personal life as well. The song is about how material things do not feed the soul, and it's the love between one another that does feed the soul instead. Alicia went on to say that the song idea came together right after Aliyah passed away. It was such a sad time and no one wanted to believe it. 
it just made everything crystal clear to me. What matters and what doesn't. The fun fact about this song, you guys, is did you know that Alicia actually almost offered the song to Christina Aguilera? So basically, around the time of her making of this album, she had been asked by Christina to produce a song for Stripped. Christina's album. And obviously, if you are a fan of the Stripped album, and if you've listened to my Christina Aguilera Stripped episode with Leah Russo, which I'm sure you guys would love, so make sure to go listen to that, you'll know that the song Impossible was written by Alicia Keys. Well, in those same sessions that Alicia was writing the song for Christina, she had written If I Ain't Got You, and said that, oh, maybe I'll give the song to Christina. Played the song for her A&R and for her label, and they were like, you are fucking crazy if you give this song to Christina Aguilera. This is your song, and this is gonna be your biggest hit. And sure enough, Alicia kept it, and it was her biggest hit. She remixed the song quite a few times with versions that feature Usher, Kanye West, and even a Spanish-language version that features Arturo Sandoval. The song's video was directed by Diane Martel and is set in New York City in the dead of winter, with Alicia playing piano on a rooftop and actor and rapper and daddy, (laughs) Method Man, playing Alicia's love interest. Sorry, I get thirsty sometimes, but Method Man is fine. The song did well on the charts, peaking at number four on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number number one on the R&B hip-hop songs chart for six weeks. The track was also number 10 in Belgium and number 18 in the UK. Alicia was hot on the awards trail with this song, winning the Grammy for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance, the MTV VMA for Best R&B Video, along with two Billboard Music Awards for the single. Today, the song has over 640 million streams on Spotify, and the video has over 263 million views on YouTube, and it's one of the most covered songs in history. It's kind of like that classic, beautiful ballad that everybody covers to show off their voice because it's just one of those perfect songs, and Alicia wrote it and produced it completely alone. That is talent, you guys. That is talent. right back after this quick word from our sponsors did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear how can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients can we be healed with sound sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives in the podcast audio branding i explore all of this both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising marketing music and science to have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Diary was the third single released on May 24th, 2004, and features Tony, Tony, Tony on a bass, piano, guitar, organ, and Wurlitzer, with guest vocals by Alicia's then-background vocalist, Jermaine Paul, who went on to win season two of The Voice back in 2012, by the way. The song is neo-soul and R&B at its finest. It's so perfectly silky smooth in its sound and is the perfect song to put on when you just need to vibe the fuck out. The music video for the song features clips of Alicia's live performances during this era on both the variety 
Horizon Ladies First Tour and Alicia's own diary tour. Now, there is a famous lyric in the song where Alicia says where you can reach her. The official lyric is call 489-4608 and I'll be there. In actuality, this number was her former telephone number when she was living in New York City, minus the area code, of course. Those who called the number using the correct 347 area code would receive a message from Alicia, but the majority of fans did not know the area code, so this resulted in anyone who had this number in a different area code to be screwed into receiving bear calls every day. The 912 area code in particular belonged to a retired pastor in Statesboro, Georgia, named J.F. Turner, and he complained to the media that he was receiving upwards of 20 calls a day in the weeks following the song's release. Yikes. He refused to change his number, though, and kept it until his death in 2019. So, boy, you complaining, but you didn't even do anything about it. Maybe you just wanted the media attention from Alicia. The song was only released as a single in the USA, but it did chart pretty well there. It reached number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 and number two on the R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. Alicia was nominated for Best R&B Performance by a duo or group of vocals for this song at the 2005 Grammys, but lost the award to, well, herself. <laughs> yep, it was her collaboration with Usher, My Boo, that ended up winning in that category that year. So bittersweet. <laughs> Karma was the fourth single that was released from the record, and it was the final single released on August 11, 2004, written by Alicia, Carey Brothers Jr., and Tanisha Smith. The song is an R&B banger that takes influence from both hip-hop and classical music. Those violins and strings, instantly recognizable, guys. The title is pretty straightforward. Karma. The idea of getting what one deserves. Alicia talks about a lover that returns and wants to start up a relationship again, but... She turns him down. In the words of Alicia, it's called Karma, baby. The music video was directed by Chris Robinson and even won Alicia and MTV VMA for Best R&B Video at the 2005 ceremony. Now, the song especially is nostalgic for me because Rachel, my best friend growing up, did a dance to the song during the Purim Talent Show in school, and it was unforgettable. And it is a song that we both loved and sang all the time. So anytime I hear this song, I think of Rachel and Rachel only. So Rachel, if you ever listen to this, I dedicate this episode to you. The song was a hit worldwide, reaching number two in Belgium, number six in Finland, and number seven in Canada. It reached number 20 on the US Billboard Hot 100 as well, and received a gold certification by the RIAA. Alicia began the promotional trek for this record in November of 2003, right before the album's production was completed. She performed everywhere, from Good Morning America, TRL, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and CD UK, and Top of the Pops. She gave performances at the 2004 MTV Video Music Awards, the 2004 American Music Awards, the Billboard Music Awards, and the 2005 Grammys. Alicia had actually won four awards that night, but more on that in a little bit. I just wanted to take a moment to let you guys know where you can find me on social media. I am on Instagram at Planet2000s, or you can hit me up on my personal page at Michael Kadosh, C-A-D-O-C-H. If you guys want to talk about some good old pop music or just reminisce about some good times, then make sure to hit me up there. I'm also on Twitter or Facebook at Michael Kadosh. Back to the pod. Alicia embarked on two sets of concert tours in support of this record and era. First, there was the Verizon Ladies First Tour that ran in the spring of 2004 and was co-headlined with Beyonce and Missy Elliott. Although most reviews praised the ensemble, many felt that Alicia and Beyonce were the stars of the show. Neil Drumming of Entertainment Weekly said that Alicia was the most radiant performer of the evening and he felt her old school references charmed and her clap along How Come You Don't Call Me obliterated the CD version, mounting the piano, tickling keys with one hand, she struck a quirky balance between class and kick. 
Ouch. It's really a wonderful she experience. She can handle it. Yeah. It is a wonderful <laughs> experience because the three of us are so different from each other. Yeah. And it's really nice to have something that is, um, you know, normally tours, they kind of pair people who are similar. Mm -hmm. And this time it kind of gives a very, it's an exciting night. So I love it. And I'm very proud of it. Yeah. She then went on to do her own solo diary tour of North America in the spring of 2005 with John Legend as the opening act. She really was working herself to the bone. She was doing every talk show. She was doing every radio show, every tour, every music video, everything that you could be at Alicia was there. And she was burnt out by the end of this era. And she later opened up about it in her book, More Myself in 2020, reminiscing on how this era really just worked her to the bone. And she was left completely, completely burnt out. Three years earlier, I'd released my second album, the album everyone calls an artist's jinx. The one that's supposed to fail. But beyond my greatest expectations, the diary of Alicia Keys exploded. With adrenaline in my veins and gratitude at my back, I'd hit the road on my second tour, glimpsing as little of the country as I had the first time around. Even the circus stays in one place longer than we do, I'd joke with my crew. we do a show one night and then boom, we're on to the next city. The next hotel room, the next stage... The next blur of buildings flashing past my car window. Half the time, I wasn't sure where we were. What's the city again? I'd ask my manager backstage, fearing I'd go out and yell, Houston, to a crowd in Oakland or Atlanta or Detroit. My team was filling every available space in my days while I, overly obligated and out of breath, sprinted hard on a treadmill I knew might suddenly halt. Reviews for the album were overwhelmingly positive. John Perales wrote in the New York Times that it had taken the diary of Alicia Keys to testify that soul songwriting can survive. Rob Sheffield wrote in Rolling Stone that the album was an assured adult statement steeped in the complicated love life and musical dreams of an ambitious young woman who has absorbed enough Nina Simone and Aretha Franklin records to live up to the sole promise of Harlem's Nocturne. That's right. Only on her second album was Alicia already being compared to the legends and greats like Nina Simone and Aretha Franklin, a testament to how this album truly was appreciated at the time of its release, and still is. At the 47th Annual Grammy Awards, Alicia walked away with four awards, including Best R&B Vocal Performance Female for If I Ain't Got You, Best R&B Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group for My Boo with Usher, Best R&B Song for You Don't Know My Name, and Best R&B Album for The Diary of Alicia Keys. She also won Best R&B Video for two years in a row at the MTV VMAs for the If I Ain't Got You and Karma videos. And she also walked away with the American Music Award for Favorite Soul R&B Female Artist at the 2004 ceremony. Alicia Keys! Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. This is a beautiful category to be amongst beautiful women who are very strong. I want to... I want to dedicate this to all the, the people that I love in music, like Ray Charles and Nina Simone. And I want to be, I'm thankful to be a part of that musical culture. To all the people that helped me do this music, Jeff Robinson, MBK, Clive, J Records, Richard Paul Meezy, Peter Edge, Kerry Crucial Brothers, Crucial Keys family, all the fans and the God. Thank you.
The Diary of Alicia Keys was a smash commercial success. It debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart with 618,000 copies sold in its first week, becoming her second consecutive number one debut album. It also was the highest first week sales for an album by a female artist in 2004, period. The album has since been certified five times platinum in the USA for sales of over five million copies in the country. And she talked about the success a little bit around that time. I mean, I didn't really expect anything, just like my first album I didn't expect anything I just wanted to put my heart into it and my experiences into it and I really feel thankful that people identify with the truth that I feel about life. The album also hit number one in Switzerland, number five in France, number seven in Norway, number eight in Greece, number nine in Finland, number 10 in Germany, number 13 in Belgium and the UK, and number 15 in Canada. Globally, the album has sold 8 million copies worldwide, and like I said earlier in this episode, it is considered to be one of Alicia's greatest albums, if not her greatest, so I think that I'm going to be spending the rest of today listening to this record. I hope that you guys do the same. Let me know what you feel about the diary of Alicia Keys and what are some of your favorite moments from this album and era. I can't wait to speak with you guys next time about the next 2000s record. I wonder what it will be. You'll just have to stay tuned. All right, you guys. Have an amazing day, an amazing week. Just want to thank you all for listening. All right, bye. Bye.